Welcome to Explore the Word Podcast. I'm so glad that you could join in today. Last episode, we started, and we'll continue with it, a survey, a quick survey of each book of the Old Testament. I think it'll be a help to you, give you some background information uh, about these books, and that, you know, as you explore the Word, that's the whole purpose. You need to be exploring the Word. I just want to give you some extra tools, some extra information to help you along the way. Um, Leviticus, really its emphasis is upon the Levitical priesthood. Uh, it's a really a handbook for the priestly service. And Moses is the author of this book. Uh, he has mentioned 56 times that the Lord spoke to Moses. The book was probably written shortly after the Exodus, after they'd left Egypt during the years of wandering. Israel was out of Egypt and away from its idolatry. And we need to remember how severe that idolatry was in Egypt. I mentioned previous podcast, they had local gods, they had national gods. I mean, they had gods all over the place and idols were used in that worship. It's estimated there was good chance there's up to 2.5 million Israelis that spent their first year in the mountainous wilderness of Sinai. Uh, some scholars call this their theological year because they were given an immense amount of religious truths during this time. And, you know, they were just, they're being taught. The Lord led them uh, and provided for them in the wilderness. After receiving the law and given the instructions on how to build the uh, the tabernacle, they needed instruction on how to worship and serve and how to live a life that was holy. And again, going back to where they were in Egypt and they had spent hundreds of years there, it was well ingrained in them about idolatry. Now they needed to learn the truth. The word holy occurs 93 times in this book and the word atonement 51 times. The purpose of the book of Leviticus was to call God's people to personal holiness. I mean, and there's no doubt that there's an emphasis in it about the Levitical priesthood and things, but for a generalization for the whole people, it was to call people to holiness. The many rituals were used as visual aids to betray, uh, portray the Lord as the holy God and to emphasize that the fellowship with him must be based off the atonement of sin and obedient living. And there's a number of uh, unique contributions for us in this book. The Lord's direct message to Israel, the Lord identifies himself by the phrase, I am the Lord in Leviticus more than any other book in the Bible. The Lord's first lesson to Israel after the completion of the tabernacle was on the theme of holiness. Uh, we see another contribution was Israel's great day of atonement, or known as Yom Kippur. They still celebrate Yom Kippur in Israel today. Uh, the ritual of Yom Kippur occurred on the 10th day of the new year and was regarded as the holiest day of the year. It was a day of personal mourning. Uh, if you had any unconfessed sins of the past year, you need to get that right. Highlighted by the natural national ritual that symbolized that confession and God's removal of those sins in the offering of two lamb or two goats. One goat was chosen to be slain, and the other goat was the scapegoat. So the slain goat symbolized the means of atonement a proper substitute. Uh, the scapegoat symbolized the effect of atonement, the removal of sin. 
uh, only on this annual day did the high priest enter the Holy of Holies. It was the only day he was allowed to do that. If he was to go in any other day, he would die. He would be slain. And uh, we do know there's times in Scripture where the Holy Priest did go into the Holy Holies on the, sa- on the right day and did die because there were sin. So interesting contributions there. And as well as um, Israel's sacred calendar of Sabbaths. Uh, in this calendar, and that's found in Leviticus chapter 23, in this calendar, the number seven stands out repeatedly. The weekly Sabbath, the seventh day. The Feast of Passover and Unleavened Bread was seven days in length. Uh, the Feast of the Pentecost, the seventh week, which was after the first fruits. The Feast of temp- uh, Trumpets, Atonement, and Tabernacles was the seventh month. The sabbatical year, the year of rest, is the seventh year. And then the sabbatical year of Jubilee, a seven week, seventh week of years. Just you know, it's just before the jubilee, so you know it's 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 important. This, the idea of seven is mentioned throughout. So that uh, is the book of Leviticus, and the next one is Numbers. Numbers is authored by Moses. The book begins with the Lord's command uh, to take a census and ends with the nation on the banks of Jordan shortly before Moses' death. Two distinct generations of Israelis are involved in this book. The first generation coming out of Egypt, and the second that was to enter Canaan. The first had seen great miracles performed. They received the law, yet they rebelled and disobeyed. The second generation grew up on the law and the daily manna, and they were used of God in a great way. The first generation began to march from Sinai, and the mood of the people worsened. Complaints about the manna and the lack of thankfulness appeared. I think about how they were crying out for the onions and things from Egypt and the melons and things. And even Moses' own family was involved in jealousy and bickering. Um, rebellion continued in the leadership and congregation of the first generation till they died out. The purpose of Numbers was to preserve a record of God's long-suffering with the people he had chosen and show his mercy. Though he had redeemed them in grace, he did not save them to a life of ease. Rather, he saved them for service and for this generation, it was war. He was preparing the nation for service. Israel did a lot of traveling in the wilderness. Um, When Israel did march, they had an assigned placement for each tribe of the nation. It was always led when the nation was moving, it was always led by that pillar that the Lord used. Then following the pillar of cloud or fire, then the ark was behind it. Then Moses, Aaron, and his sons. And then there was Judah, Issachar, Zebulon. And after Zebulon, two-thirds of the Levites were pulling wagons that carried the tabernacle structure and the coverings. And then following them was Reuben, Simeon, and Gad. Then the last of the one-third, the remainder of the Levites carrying the tabernacle furniture followed Gad. And then there was Ephraim, Manasseh, Benjamin, Dan, Asher, and Naphtali. Naphtali was the last one. They marched in succession. It wasn't like a military march in lockstep. 
Uh, you know, they were following each other loosely, each in their own family, though. So if if we lived in this day and we were on the march, your kids would stay with you and your your parents and uncles and aunts, you know, whatever was made up of that family unit. And you march forward with your materials, your livestock, so forth. Um, the book of Numbers has some, again, unique contributions. Every book does. Uh, the Nazareth Vow, the, the book is found in, in Numbers chapter 6. This book of service made special allowance for a layperson to participate in sacred, sacred service. The vow was available for anyone who desired to give this special service to the Lord. Rather than being paid, though, like the high priests and Levites, they were taken care of in, the, in serving the Lord. These people were required, if you want to make this vow, to make a special offering and were restricted from some things. Number one, eating or drinking the fruit of the vine. Shaving with a razor. Touching a dead person. Uh, these restrictions emphasize the high privilege of serving the Lord. Another um, unique thing that we see in this book is the Lord's great judgment on rebellion. Uh, many judgments of the Lord are recorded in Numbers. The rebellion of the uh, Lev- uh, Levite leaders brought immediate destructions on their families. The grumbling of the people at the food brought a great plague. Um, the rebellion at Kadesh brought judgment on the whole generation, denying them entrance into Canaan. Rebellion was and is a willful sin. And in the case in this book, it brought immediate judgment for which there was no reprieve. Another thing we saw, in, or will, if you have read it, and I encourage you to, you'll see that the East Jordan settlement of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. That's in Numbers chapter 32. The settlement of these two and a half tribes just short of Canaan is a is questionable as to their motivation for that. Moses wasn't happy about this at all, though he later allowed it. And uh, after their agreement, he allowed them to, to stay there after they agreed that they would send troops to help liberate the promised land, conquer that land. Their motivation was for the East Jordan, a land for livestock, and your servants have livestock. That's found in uh, Numbers 32.4. They appeared to be led by their cattle. That's a bad way to be led, by your cattle. In the future, these tribes were always the first to get the brunt of the attacks by Israel's enemies. They were the first to go into captivity into Syria. Assyria, I should say. Uh, this at least suggests the danger of settling for short-term attractions rather than pressing on to long-term commitments. So a, a great application there for us as well. So I hope that's been a help. Uh, I really am thankful that you're listening today. And uh, I hope it's been an encouragement to you as you study the Word. Keep exploring the Word and looking to Jesus.